Hello and welcome to Kremlin's In The Basement, Real Sports World Cup podcast powered by Gfinity. I'm John McKenzie, football editor at Real Sport, and I'm joined, as usual, by three Kremlin's In The Basement. To my right, a man who cares more about Gareth Southgate getting a knighthood than the poor, it's Alistair Puzzinelli. How are you doing, Alistair? Very well. I don't really know how to respond to that. <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, next to him, uh, Ollie Steen. I've not written an intro for you, so how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. It's better that I don't have to sit through another intro. Inside joke about Harry Kane that we're done. There we we can make some joke about Harry Kane if you want, but we'll leave that, we'll leave that until the next one tomorrow. Uh, and finally, we have another fo- foreign football correspondent with us today. Unfortunately, though, yet again, he is an expert of a nation who are no longer in the World Cup. Damian Burkhart, how are you doing? Uh, very well, trying to survive the second day without football, World Cup football. Yeah, it's been hard, hasn't it? It's not been hard as I had a really good night's sleep last night. <laughs> uh, we're here as always to bring you great football content from our basement in an undisclosed location in London. Uh, again, before we begin, a reminder this podcast is available on iTunes, and as a result of that, the best thing you can do is subscribe, rate, and review, which allows us to get greater exposure and means we can enjoy, people can enjoy just how. And again, I haven't filled in the, uh, haven't filled in the, the running order here either. So, just how good we are at our jobs, how, John. How, yeah, just how professional we are, and we always, we always get our uh, intros properly written up before the podcast begins. So, if you could do that for us, then on the on the back of that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> go and rate and review the podcast. Please say something nice. Uh, and one final reminder: a lot of the discussion we have on the podcast refers back to pieces that appear on the website, which can be found at www.realsport101.com. We have got four matches to talk about today. The uh, quarterfinals of the World Cup, which are happening over Friday and Saturday. We'll begin, and we'll go through them chronologically. So the first one is Uruguay versus France. What do we think is going to happen here, Alistair? I, uh, oh, it's hard. I've been really impressed with Uruguay the past couple of games. I think I think they got off the, they started the tournament a bit, a bit drab with two one nil wins. But since that third game against Russia, I think they've, They've looked very, very strong. Very good performance against Portugal. It was the first time that Suarez and Cavani properly linked up in the tournament. They looked, they were a serious handful. But I guess the, the big worry now for the Uruguayans is Cavani's out for the next game. How that affects their plans. Do they just bring in another striker like Christian Suani? Or do they load up with another midfielder? We, we kind of have no idea at this time. As for the French... They, I still feel that they haven't really got going. I know they beat Argentina four three, but all of their all of their games so far have been by they've only won by one goal. Um, so it was a great attacking performance, and whereas that was where they were struggling in the first stages of the tournament, they still conceded three to an Argentinian team that have been struggling themselves. So I don't know how much we can read into that result. I don't think you should read into it too much I know France linked up amazingly in the final third but at the same time that was the first team that they faced that have been significantly um, well their organisation has not been as good as the three teams they faced in the group stage Um, all three of which they they struggled against in an attacking sense and Uruguay fall into that bracket in terms of defensive organisation with that centre back pairing of um, Diego Mm -hmm. Godin and Jose Jimenez so I think, I think they're going to really struggle to break them down. But for Uruguay, it's more of a case of, in my mind, probably playing for extra time, maybe playing for penalties, trying to nick something on the break because they're not they, they're going to struggle without Cavani up front. He I think he's been the main man that, that's kept them ticking over this World Cup. And Suarez, by contrast, has struggled somewhat. And without his partner in crime next to him, I think he's going to be in for a tough time. Mm. 
Damien, you wrote about Uruguay recently for us. Uh, you looked at why they're sort of per perennially um, there and thereabouts in this competition. Do you think there's any chance they can get through? You know, I expected them to even reach the final, possibly, with the looking at how they understand each other, Cavani and, and Suarez. But the thing is that I think it was Cavani brace and then the game before Suarez Cavani again assisting to each other. So once you break down partnership down, it I guess it would be very difficult for them to to go to pass through the uh, pass through Spain. Yeah. So difficult. I believe that 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 partnership is the third most productive partnership in in World Cup history. So that no one else. There's there's been two other. I can't remember who the the other two are unfortunately. One of them was in the Hungarian team I think in the. 50s essentially that the other one was a German partnership that they that had set up goals or scored goals between each other so it's clearly a very very productive partnership not and Crouch and Defoe no. and also no, looking it might have been Crouch and Darius Vassell maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and also looking at that France-Argentina game uh, it was a 4-3 but for me it was uh, France were always Mm. Uh, always okay. there to win that game when I watched them it was like even if Argentina scored four uh, France would have scored five yeah. they would always be you know one ahead so very strong team offensively and of, of course Mbappe oh talents yeah it's, it is going to be I mean it's going to be a case of keeping Mbappe quiet because I mean regardless of how good you think France were against Argentina almost everything that they did well went through Mbappe it, it felt as though that was his we talked about it before his Michael Owen moment where he sort of really announced himself on the on the global stage. Uh, given that Uruguay obviously have a much more solid defensive unit, do we think that, that they may have uh, more success keeping Mbappe quiet than Argentina? Um, perhaps. It depends where Mbappe's playing, really. If he, if he starts drifting centrally, I think he's going to find less joy than if he is playing out wide. But I think it's, just, it's more of a case of um, staying alert on the break and, and making sure he doesn't attack any of that space in behind if for what, for whatever reason they d Uruguay do start to push their defensive line a bit a bit further forward um, but as I, as I said France struggle against teams that uh, sit slightly deeper and stay narrow and stay compact and, and kind of limit the space for Mbappe to work in for Griezmann to work in but I think more than Mbappe a lot of it's going to rely on Olivier Giroud how well he plays how well he gets the second balls how well he wins aerial duels and kind of drags players out of their position to create that space in behind obviously Argentina played with a, a really high line against France and, and there's almost no way that Uruguay will do the same thing do you think that that could s slow France down again because obviously in the in the earlier games that they played in the in the groups they didn't have quite the same space to work with do we think that there's gonna, that's going to be a factor in this do we think we're overrating France simply because Argentina set up so tactically naively maybe I'm not that much of an expert so I don't know um, yeah I don't really know what to add to that John that's a bit I just think too good for me Uruguay are, are a better a better team as a they, they play as a collective but they, it's not like Argentina they it's just a congregation of stars playing very egoistically so I think that Uruguay have much much more chances to just you know beat France than Uruguay, uh, Argentina had you think they would be able to overcome that issue um, I a lot was made of the idea to start Matuidi as a as a left winger, if you like, but I guess it was somewhat vindicated by the fact that he, he kind of shut down Messi a little bit and added more more cover. But if they, the rumor is they're going to replace Matuidi, who's now suspended with Quarantine uh, Tolisso, and you'd expect them to shift more to a, a four three three and put two 
passing central midfielders in there ahead of Kante. Um, so you think that would kind of overcome the issue of a, of a compact, of a, of a packed low block defend, uh, defense with players that can get their head up and players that are comfortable um, without time on the ball to kind of get their head up and, and play that pass forward, if you like. Right, let's do predictions. What do you think the result will be, Alistair? 2-1 France. Damien? I was just about to say the same thing, 2-1 France. I think 1-0 France. Okay. I have no idea, so I'm going to use my privilege as host and not answer. Uh, the <laughs> next game, uh, the game that evening, Friday night, is Brazil versus Belgium, which I actually think is quite an exciting fixture on the face of it. So, not a fixture we've seen very often in the in the past. Um, two teams with with huge amounts of talent. Obviously, their teams are littered with with talent. Brazil sort of slowly moving their way up to top top speed. Um, Belgium still not quite certain of, of how good they are at this point having sort of easily got through the group stages and then won a, a game against England with their second team playing England's second team so leaving everyone a little bit um, uncertain and then obviously that game against Japan where they looked woeful until they were in a position where they had to come out and, and win and, and then they did that which I think surprised a lot of people given that, that Belgium have perennially disappointed in that regard so quite an exciting uh, quite an exciting fixture is there any chance that Brazil could lose this one? Well, as much as there are a chance they could lose any game, but I think this is the ball is firmly in Brazil's court. Um, Belgium haven't really clicked properly in tournament. I, you can't really read into the wins they, over Panama on They have well. clicked. They, I like. Okay, they might be a little bit defensively vulnerable, but going forward they are scintillating. Yeah, they have I clicked going ta forward. Tactically terrible, honestly. But they rely on individual brilliance. This yeah. is the thing. Their system doesn't it doesn't set up to play to the strengths of the, of the mm. collective. It's let's get Hazard on the ball. Let's find space for Lukaku and let's get Mertens involved. And mm. and De Bruyne can run the show from deep. Yeah, that, that's exactly yeah. what they do. But and De, that's what De Bruyne's not going to be able to run the show against Brazil if they play in the same system. Casemiro is suspended. He's yeah, going to have a lot Fernandinho more fun. is so like for like. No, he's not like for like one sitting midfielder for another. But they're, they're different styles of play. Casemiro is significantly more defensive. Fernandinho is there as a possession man to control play and dictate yeah, the tempo. But I just think that two, a two-man Belgian field with De Bruyne playing alongside Witzel will not find much joy playing against a Brazilian three. I think with Fellaini but playing so a, well, they should start him. This is a Brazilian three that is significantly more attack-minded than without than with Casemiro. If you've got Coutinho, but who knows, he could bring there. in Augusto if he wants. Chiche could bring in Renato Augusto if he wants that little bit more control. Yeah, could, I don't think he will though. Yeah, he could. Do I, but I think it's an option. I just. I... But then, who do you play at the base of that midfield if you bring in Augusto? No, no, no. Three of those players: Coutinho, Augusto, and Paulinho are holding midfielders. Do you play for? No, you play for Nandinho. You move. Then you, 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 you would drop Willian and play. Yeah, even though Willian played well. It's, it's yeah. a good. It's a good headache for Chiche to have. I just. I can't. I can't see. De, I. I think Bel, Belgium's best player in my eyes is Kevin De Bruyne, and I don't think you can get the best out of him playing him in, in a midfield too. No, I. I, I think I, I agree with that. And we could. We could see that um, uh, against Japan. And we could see that against Japan as well. Uh, in the second half, De Bruyne was moved a little bit more forward, and that gave gave them an edge. And, and then they won against Japan. So yeah, I can't see De Bruyne playing as a, as a midfielder. I think it's instructive as well that whenever, whenever Belgium have struggled in the tournament so far, Martinez has very quickly moved them into a four-two-three-one configuration, and then they've started looking a lot better. So 
the, I think the question will be whether or not that move happens from the outset or whether or not it happens as soon as Brazil score or dominate or whatever. Um, that will be the interesting interesting factor. And I think that there's been, I've seen a lot of frustration from Belgian journalists about that fact that they've set, they've spent all their time developing this system and it doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, they move into another system that does work and yet the, the, the previous system is always preferred. Surely you think Martinez would look at that and, and say, oh, I'm not going to wait until we're struggling or to, until we're a goal down and just going to play a 4-2-3-1 from the outset? Is that gets the best out of all of their yeah, I think they individual will. players I think I'd be very surprised if he keeps keeps. I, to, I'd be really surprised if he changed it to be completely honest he seems really stubborn and really rigid in, in what he does but there's, of, too, there's too much on the line now it almost costs him against Japan I, I just don't think he's, he's astute enough to do it to be honest I don't know I obviously don't know on yeah. a personal level to say that but we should ask from, his dad based on, <laughs> yeah I should Based on what we've seen and, and what we can go off, he doesn't change his system too much unless it's, it's a fourth change, unless it's reactive. He's not proactive in that sense, you know? Yeah, I mean, Martinez's time at Everton was was allegedly a cutting-edge manager. He was one of the first managers to install a TV room and he would watch replays of games of his opponents and his own teams for 40, 50 hours a week, allegedly, which, which is a huge amount. So you, one, would think, one would expect someone who has that sort of attention to detail to recognise that there, there might be a problem with the system but um, it will be I think it will be interesting to see whether or not whether or not Belgium come out and, and change their system because like, like you said Alistair it's very very clear against Japan that the change of the system changed the, 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 the way that they played and, and, and it wasn't without that change that they, until they made that change that they started looking dangerous um, and again, like everyone made a big thing about Martinez bringing on Chatley and Fellaini and making the difference, and, and they and, and and he was sort of lauded as being a great manager for making subs, which then worked. But the the point was was that it was the system that changed. That was what allowed them to do it. And the reason why he had to bring on Chatley and and Fellaini was was in order to make that change. Let's do predictions on this game. Unless anyone's got anything else that they want to say. Um, I I just quickly I want to add. I think Brazil. If they change their system to what we talked about before and, possibility, yeah. and push Coutinho forward, I think they are really going to struggle in that sense. They've looked really dodgy without Coutinho playing in a deeper Deep. position. Mm. He's the man that has been pulling the strings and stepping up when Neymar hasn't, if you like. And pushing him further forward limits his influence. It, it isolates him somewhat. And I think they're going to struggle for that sort of midfield. One, control and two, creativity. So do you think it'll be Casemiro, Coutinho and Paulinho? Yeah, I think I don't think... Well, I think, I think Fernandinho, 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 Coutinho and Paulinho. Yeah. yeah, I don't think Tite is going to want to change that. What's been working and, and as well, what's given their plan A. William was so good in the last game yeah. as well. He was quite, I thought he'd he was been quite poor in the tournament before if, that. Yeah, he's well, quite divisive. Well, I've noted as well, Willian on the right, Hazard playing on the left, drifting in. And if they continue with, with Fania playing at right back you're going to want the defensive work rate of, of Willian to yeah. cover that and protect against Hazard mm-hmm. yeah I think that which I don't I don't think they're going to change it too much I think they'll just go like for like yeah so prediction then um, oh, it's going to be really open isn't it 2-2 um, two, two, extra time Brazil nick it okay I think it will be a high scoring game as well um, I'd say Free, free, extra time, and then no idea. <laughs> um, two 0 to Brazil. Remember, Chiche has conceded six goals in about twenty four games for Brazil. So, uh, even with Belgium's attacking talent, unless they do that make change, that make that change with De Bruyne, which I hope they do, I don't think they'll they'll trouble trouble Brazil much. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything either. It's too too personal for me this one. Um, <laughs> Bottled that. Bottled it. Saturday. 
Saturday uh, afternoon, first kickoff is Russia versus Croatia, a game which looks like a group stage fixture. It's us. England uh, are first. Oh, is it? Yeah. Of course. Uh, are we? Yeah, let's yeah, 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 3 no, p.m. You're right. You're all right. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 3 p.m. Then on, on Saturday, Sweden versus England, a big game um, for, for both teams. Um, England will be going in feeling as though they are the favourites. The Swedes made a big thing about the fact that they were happy that it wasn't Colombia. Um, so, is there any is there any chance of an upset here for for England? Well, isn't it isn't it England have only ever beaten Sweden twice in about ten ten matches, and Sweden have won five or something like that. Last right, the last time they played was like it was when like six Zlatan, years ago. Yeah, when exactly. Zlatan scored that ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. What, what, we lost four two. Last game. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you think that is going to bear any sort of? Not really. No, no. But it just shows that the Swedes are always a tough nut to crack well, I think the difference now and Southgate said it himself is that we've always underestimated Sweden as an opponent thinking oh they're just Sweden what's the point in, in doing any sort of preparation or whatever but Southgate's a lot more astute than that and he's, he's a much more switched on I don't think we're going to have that issue again we're not going to go into the game with arrogance it will be these are a, this is a difficult team which they are difficult they've proved to be difficult and we're going to give them the respect that they deserve and I think that will, will change the, out, the outcome of the game we're not going to underestimate them, which is important. It's the first time that England have come across a team who have a very clear system and style, and are, are sort of married to that system and style. I mean, I guess give or take Belgium, but I mean, again, we're, we're not Panama. Really <laughs> clear style of chopping <laughs> everyone in front of them. Well, yeah, um, but in terms of yeah, in terms of that system, they've they've they have gone for the four four two, and they've they've made it very difficult for for teams to break them down which is easy to do if you've got two banks of four and one of your strikers dropping in as well simply because you can just make it very very compact um and england we've seen struggle against compactness compactness we saw them struggle in the second half against tunisia um panama fortunately who you'd expect to be compact had a, had something of an off day i think and they just sort of imploded a little bit in that first half um but england didn't have a huge amount of work to do so the question is will england's um, new style of play this 3-5-2 which uses uh, positional play to create chances rather than individual moments will it be able to break down Sweden's low low block they're going to struggle we inevitably do struggle against teams that, that sit deep yeah. I think what's going to be important um, I, I, I personally drop Deli Ali not for any other reason other than that he doesn't look fit to me I know he's, he's coming out and saying that he is um, I don't think he is. So I bring Ruben Loftus cheek, and I think those runs directly through the heart of, of Sweden are going to be really important. He's he's one to retain the ball and one to progress it forwards. I think Harry Kane is going to be key, obviously, but more for his hold up play and his ability to pick up the ball amongst maybe what five or six yellow shirts and keep it, and then send one of the forward runners, i.e. Lingard or Sterling, through and create space that way, bringing players out to him rather than trying to get the ball over the top of them. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to how well Henderson can play too because he's arguably one of the better passers on our team, the one that you're going to look to to say, here's the ball, try and pick the lock, try and find a pass in behind and someone's going to have to make a run off of that. But mm. those are the three factors I think will be important. Yeah. Do you, do you think that Sweden are going to sit deep from the off? Do you think they're going to start off defensively and then look in the second half to make the breaks? Or do you think they're going to come out... From from the kickoff, I think if you look at look at the tournament, they they do not mind if the if the opposition is in control of the ball. They're just they're so patient. They're so patient. They look look to nick it in midfield if they can, and 
throw away, even though, which is surprising, even though this team, this Swedish team is not filled with pace. It's got two physical strikers in Toivonen and Berg. So when they do, if they do win the ball at back, they're just, they're going to get that ball long and make life uncomfortable. Um, that's why I think Harry, Harry Maguire will probably, with his extra height, be very valuable for England at the back. Do worry about Walker and Stones though, in that regard. Um, and I imagine they'll sort of target that left channel. It's gonna be a hard, I think it's gonna be a horrible one to watch for an England fans point of well, view. That's where Forsberg be... plays down that left as well. Yeah, he can pick up the knockdowns and etc. It'll be, I think it's gonna be an uncomfortable afternoon for England. Mm, we we talked a lot about how the Swedish strikers are not prolific enough. I mean, we saw was it Marcus Berg? I think he oh, God. <laughs> missed a few glorious chances to at least hit the target, and very much didn't. Um, is there a, is there a sense in which um, there's going to be a worry for England fans because you feel as though if you can restrict Sweden to a few chances, you're most likely to win the game. Uh, but th- there is, a, th- th- I think the cliche sh- saying is there's, there's always mistakes in this England defence. Is there a sense in which um, England aren't going to restrict the, those strikers to ch- uh, chances and, and so there will be a Sweden goal? Are England going to have to score to win this game? Uh, I think it, this game will be down to probably just one set piece from either side either Seb Larsson or Harry Kane from a penalty spot or from a, yeah, from a, from a corner I think there is no other team on this World Cup than focusing on set pieces is the best tactic to play against than Sweden uh, yeah, because it's it's very difficult to break them down and it's just if England just keep on doing what they've been doing the whole tournament that might just pay off just be patient as patient as we, the, the Swedes are Mm. what about the fact that England have played obviously 120 minutes of football uh, recently do we think that's going to be anything of a factor for them is that, is that I, th- I think more mentally you've got to remember in the previous game to that England were f- I guess fortunate that they could rest so many of their players against Belgium whereas the Swedes had to come out beat Mexico which they did 3-0 so I think yeah more of a mental fatigue that you've you've gone through the extra time you've gone through the penalties you get Kyle Walker may have severely suffered from cramping both legs, poor chap. But I think I think we'll be all right once the game gets going. I don't. I think after the after the quarterfinals is when fatigue is severely going to. Got to remember that. Uh, so England's games on Saturday, the World Cup final is the following the Sunday, the week after, with a game in between. So I think the semis and the and the finals when you you do get seriously leggy. Mm. What about the psychological aspect? Because I know you've said that Southgate said, oh, we're not going into this one with any sort of apprehensions. It's going to be easy. But it is Sweden. They are probably the worst team left in in the tournament on paper. To what extent can you simply just remind yourself that it's not going to be easy, but then go into the match just assuming that you're going to win? Do you well, think that, there's going to be that aspect? No, 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 not at all. That all comes from the manager, and he's come out in the press and said, we are not going to underestimate this team. You can imagine what... What, from what we know of Southgate and what he's like over the players that he's going to be walking around that training ground you know drilling it into each one of them walking past everyone that Sweden's not going to be easy Sweden's not going to be easy they're not I don't think they're going to suffer from arrogance or overconfidence we have no reason to be overconfident we have a reason to be confident and, and, and to hope to win but I, just, I think the key is just not to expect anything and we don't play with expectation and hence we don't play with pressure but does that not r- raise questions later on in the tournament when you say, well, you know, if Sweden aren't going to be easy, how are we going to approach the other teams who are going to be harder? Right? Is, does that not... Playing, the playing the superior teams would probably... It, 
suits England more the reason why I think this England team cannot get ahead of themselves in the slices if you just look at the goals they have scored one there's been one genuine goal from open play which was Jesse Lingard against Panama yeah, it was 20 yards out right? yes so they will know that they have not broken down any teams in this tournament really and the Swede, the Swedes are perhaps going to be the most stubborn opponents they've come across yet so I don't think the England I think England will be very grounded in this one yes they'll be confident of victory but they know they will have to work very hard to do so right I mean, let's not forget that Sweden before the tournament they kicked out Italy and, and the Netherlands right yeah. in the tournament uh, and they kicked out Germany and they, and they played a part in it so underestimating that Sweden would be a big big yeah. mistake mm. I think I don't think that Gary Southgate will allow England players to do that yeah Right, predictions for this one. I mean, we did this yesterday, didn't we? We did. I didn't remember what we said, but everyone went with win. <laughs> one nil wins, I think, for England. Already, yeah, was it? I think I said two nil. But I'm I, said, that I, one said one. <laughs> I said one one Sweden on penalties. Oh, oh yeah, that is true. Alistair was hedging his bets because <laughs> there is a god and he hates Alistair apparently. So I'm for the for worst, John. <laughs> if you if you trick that, you know, sort of play psychological inverse psychology with some perceived deity out there then maybe it will come through who knows are uh, you going to go uh, I think it will be 1-0 yeah. 1-0 England, yeah. yeah. England yeah. wow exciting can't wait for that one um, Russia versus Croatia then to round round things off a game which looks more like a group stage game than a quarter final of a World Cup perhaps uh, but has the potential to be exciting the Russian team have been at least good fun to watch um, and with their boundless energy obviously that comes from uh, superior training techniques and nothing else um, Croatia I think Croatia may be flattered to deceive a little bit this tournament There's, they, they, they beat Argentina quite comfortably but no one's quite no one's quite sure what that means um, other than that they've, they've played in fairly stodgy games they've 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 obviously had quality um, but but obviously having quality as we've talked about is not enough in this World Cup um, you have to you have to be able to do something with it uh, at least from the level of the collective as we said so I still think that Croatia will go into this as favourites, but Russia have Russia have knocked out Spain. They hammered hundreds of goals in in the group <laughs> stages, obviously against teams like Saudi Arabia uh, and uh, an Egypt side that actually turned out to be far more disappointing than people expected. So, how do, how are we expecting this one to go? Go is it, who's the who would you say is the favourite in this in this in this uh, fixture? I think it depends on how Russia approach the game. If they opt for the same. Uh, defensive style of football that they used against Spain trying to sit deep and, and pack out their half and make it difficult make themselves difficult to break down then I think Croatia are going to struggle and this could be one that goes all the way to penalties again um, if they decide to play more open as they did in the group stages then or play more expansively then the game becomes a lot more open and Modric and Rakitic will have fun picking apart spaces in that old and slow back line so yeah, I, I, it, de- it depends how they approach the game, really. Yeah, I, th- I think the Russians are going to sit deep once again. When you've got Juba up front, you just have to pump it up to him. And whether it be Golovin or Cheryshev playing off him, that's enough of that's all the attacking threat they need. They're not sensational players, but there is a, a clear outlet there. Um, where they were successful in doing that against the Spanish, I don't think it will be as effective against the Croatians not because of the abilities of Modric and Rakitic in midfield because you've got a big striker in Mandzukic up front you've got players like Perisic and possibly Kramaric to come on who can who will I just found the Spanish team it was just so regimented there was little movement 
they kind of wanted to get round the back, pull it back, and get those tap ins, but they didn't have the the agility to do so. Like Isco was, Isco was the most effective player for Spain in in that game. And I saw a stat out of his two hundred odd passes he made in that game, only twelve went forward. Mm. I, I just, I think the the Croatians will be wary of that. They'll be preparing for it, and but I think with their added, they're a bit more dynamic than the Spanish, and I think that will be their their outlet to victory. No, I, I agree. I think they're more suited to break down a low block than, than Spain are. Um, they've got a target man, they have runners either side of him and they've got passes. So and then they're a lot more direct in their style of play. So I don't I don't think they should they'll struggle a bit not as not as badly as Spain did if, if that's how Russia decided mm. to set up. Obviously Croatia played against Denmark to get to this point and again they Denmark sat quite deep and they and Croatia didn't look scintillating against them. Mm. Is there a sense that, that could happen again? In, in this in this game do we think I think in short be, yes it's going to be a stodgy game yeah nervy but it's I think that that Croatia-Denmark game was bizarre to have two ridiculously early goals but as soon as that that equaliser went in I went this has just got extra time and penalties written over it the game just settled down completely no one wanted to uh, move their chess pieces um, could this happen I just think that Croatia were going to meet whereas Croatia were the best were are a better team than Denmark. The they didn't they didn't actually like go for it as it were, and I think against the Russians they probably will. As again, as we were talking about England, Sweden, sweet England won't be underestimating the Swedes, but I think Croatia will be very very confident that they can they can get this win. Mm. I mean, uh, Russia showed like two sides of this tournament so they were playing very offensively in the group stage and they then they start back against Spain so uh, they show that they are very uh, tactically flexible team so on the other hand I don't think that yeah, sitting just back and waiting for, for Croatia inviting Croatia uh, to, to, to create um, chances will just succeed against against for Russia because um, it's, I think it's easier to just be patient with 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 Spain and just uh, reduce their game to passing a thousand times in the game. Uh, Croatia, they have Modric and they can just speed up the game in, in the mingle of an eye and pass it to 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 a Perisic and then cross to Mandzukic yeah. goal. So I think it will be an open game. I think uh, churches of signs for churches churches of knows that giving the ball away to Croatia and just just yeah inviting them would be very dangerous. And and, and I think it will be uh, he won't be playing with three at the back uh, again he will switch back to, to uh, four, four at the back uh, he will put Cherish the Bowden um, in the standard lineup and it might be like um, yeah it might, it might be it will be more um, it will be it will be a game easier to watch than the Spain game for sure yeah I think I agree with you I think that Russia are going to come out and think we've got a good chance of getting through here we're not going to against Spain you've got to think we are the underdogs against Croatia less so I think they'll come out and say we have a chance here of getting into a semi-final against a team who we can beat I think we have to go for it I, I, and I think yeah. that, that's and they also seem to be enjoying playing the home, on home soil as well yeah. uh, the support from the stands and some some of some of the uh, some of the journalists uh, present in Russia they just they were just saying that they've never seen noise like this when when Russia equalized against Spain so uh, that's that's a boon as well yeah and I think it's quite it's what's interesting for me about Russia is the fact that they, we came into the tournament expecting them to play players like Smolov 
uh, and Zagoyev. Obviously, Zagoyev got injured very early on. It allowed Cheryshev to come in, and and he's really thrived since doing that. Golovin obviously has been an exciting player to watch as well, and they've got Juba up front. And it feels as though, in, in many respects, that was the changes that needed to happen for, for Russia to, to look good. And, and the negativity that a lot of the Russian journalists in particular had before the World Cup has been sort of blown away by, by these movements. So to what extent do we think that, that Russia's success has been a little bit down to luck? Is, that, is there a sense of that? I don't think so. No, I think uh, it's... There's no luck uh, when you play in the, in the quarterfinals. I, I think so. Um, you can't just say that somebody was lucky. So you think they'd have got this far if they'd have played Zagoyev and, and uh, Smolov instead? But you, the tournament? you mean it in that sense? Yeah, sorry, in the sense that they that they probably wouldn't have played the way that they've played um, had they had they not had been forced to by by injury. The Jubert selection forced. I thought that was he. Isn't it selection wasn't forced, but. There was certainly the the sense that that he that wasn't the expectation that he would yeah play. he came came on scored and uh, earned a starting spot in the second game and scored two more so I don't think that's luck I think that's just someone taking taking their yeah. opportunity whereas yeah I think the the Cherishev after the troubles he's had in the past few seasons I'm actually really pleased for him that for once an injury not his own injury Paul Paul Jaguar, but that opened up a spot for um for Denis Cheryshev to come in and he's and he's really grabbed it I think yeah you can argue it's lucky in a sense but you need you need that in your squad mm. someone to come in and do that anyone want, want to add anything on we've not really talked too much about Croatia does anyone want to add anything about Croatia no let's do the predictions then what's the result of the Russia-Croatia game going to be 2-0 Croatia 2-1 Croatia 1-1 penalties anyone's guess Oof. so it's quite an open game but mm. the the pre- predominant ideas that Croatia are most likely to get through. So there you have it, the um, real sport predictions put, I think it was at France versus Brazil and Croatia versus England as the semi-finals on, 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 yeah. on, on merit. Are we going to do who do we think is going to win the whole thing from here? Who do you think is going to win the whole thing from here, Alistair? Brazil. France. Ooh. <laughs> Come on, he's, he's, he wants to say England, doesn't he? He can see. I saw of it through his eyes. Then. Scratching at myself not that, to say it. Uh, my heart, England, he my that, head, Brazil. He had that Harry Kane look in his eyes. Uh, your heart, England, your head, Brazil. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go with Brazil as well, which was my original tournament yeah, same. Uh, prediction. And it seems to be the only thing I've actually predicted about the tournament that seems possible to come off. So <laughs> I'm still hanging on to I'm that. I'm still hanging on to Julian Draxler for the golden ball. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. It's happen, guys. <laughs> Before we finish. Uh, again a reminder that we are available on iTunes uh, subscribe rate review over there Facebook you can find our page at Real Sport um, follow us like us whatever you do on Facebook um, Twitter at Real Sport Goals is where all of our football co- content comes out we have an Instagram page at Real Sport 101 and as always all of the pieces that we produce come out on www.realsport101.com thank you very much for listening